Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. If one of your goals for 2020 is to rock your email marketing, then girl, I've got just the thing. Email marketing used to be a pain point for me because I have tried every platform out there. Now I use Flowdesk, a new platform that is changing the email marketing game. I could tell you a thousand reasons why I'm obsessed with Flowdesk, but you'll have to see for yourself. You will fall in love with the beautiful templates, easy to use interface, and having unlimited everything. That's right. If you get on board right now, you get unlimited subscribers, emails, workflows, and forms for life. And the best part, if you enter code Haley, you get all of this for only $19 a month. Again, for life. Seriously, just enter code H-A-Y-L-E-Y and you'll lock in a $19 a month subscription for an unlimited amount of everything Flowdesk has to offer for life. That's an unbeatable deal for your business and your peace of mind. 2020 is the year to change your email marketing. So head to Flowdesk, enter code Haley, and make it your best year in business yet. Welcome back, ladies. Today's episode is going to be a good one because it's a tough conversation that not a lot of people are wanting to have, but I am so excited that we are going to have it on this show and hopefully really benefit your business and just really enhance your life. So today I am chatting with Becky Mollenkamp, and she is a certified business mindset coach who believes that women deserve to feel powerful and fulfilled. And she helps her clients dream and play bigger while also finding contentment in the here and now. And that kind of touches on a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, which is how to prepare your business for a crisis. And then inevitably how to react to that crisis and how to really handle being an entrepreneur in those hard times. Becky has an incredible story of how she went through this, this similar story. And so she's going to talk a little bit about that today, along with her tips and advice for what you really need to do to prepare your business for those unexpected turn of events in life and what you can do to really build up the mindset to handle those crises when they happen and really react well to them. So I know you guys are going to love Becky and all of her little nuggets of wisdom. So let's tune in. Hi, Becky. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're definitely excited to have you. So before we dive into our whole conversation, why don't you tell everybody who you are and a little bit about what you do and how you got there and this whole crazy business story that I know you have. 
Sure. Um, so my journey begins a while back. Um, well, I guess it begins at birth, but <laughs> I started my life kind of doing everything I thought I was supposed to and living a life of shoulds, which I think a lot of people can kind of relate to. Kind of Waking up at one point, whatever that is for you, where you sort of think, whoa, what is this life? And is this what I really want? And that was kind of where my journey, I felt like started, like the first act of my life was that doing the shoulds. And then it was a rough six months <laughs> that really shook me out of that. Um, in the course of less than six months, really, my grandma died. And then my brother died of a drug overdose. My marriage fell apart. And because of that, I lost my house. And all during that time, I was also in the process of almost losing my business thanks to the tanking economy and then exacerbated by the depression that came after all of those things that happened at once. So I had a lot going on at one time. And before that, I had kind of lived this life of shoulds. Everything looked good on paper. I had a custom home with a six-figure business. My um, then-husband was making almost six figures as well. You know, I drove a red, shiny red BMW. I could buy what I want, travel when I wanted. Everything looked really good on paper, but I wasn't really happy. Um, and so then after everything kind of shook and changed in my life, that was when I rebuilt my business and I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is mindset coaching, because I really wanted to help other women get out of those shoulds uh, and start living lives that really mean something to them so they can feel powerful and fulfilled now without having to go through all of the hard stuff to get there that I went through. Um, and so in that process of kind of nearly losing my business and rebuilding it and having my life sort of torn apart, as a self-employed person, which is a difficult thing because it wasn't like I could take sick time. I didn't get bereavement leave when my brother died. You know, I didn't get any time off. I didn't have PTO to pull from when I was feeling down. And so I nearly lost my business on that and learned a lot through that process too about just protecting your sanity and your business in those rough times. Wow. That's so intense. Here's what I love about your story so much because it's, it's so real. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, you know, when they set out to start a business, it seems kind of glamorous. Like, you know, you get to like work from home and you can sit around, you know, in your mind, you can sit around like on your couch and have Netflix on in the background and uh, never have to put, you know, real clothes on and you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. And, you know, go out to lunch with your friends on a random Wednesday because you own your business and you can, but I don't think people think about, especially in the beginning, the really hard parts of being a business owner, which is all of those things you just mentioned, you know, you don't get to just quit on your clients and not be there when something bad happens, when somebody passes away or when, um, you know, even when you just, need a break and you need a little time off. And so it's, I think it's really hard for especially new business owners to kind of understand those sort of downsides to, to running your own business as well. And so I, I love that you, you know, you're just like, look, look at all these things I made it through. And, and yeah, that was really hard, but you know, you came back from that. And, um, I just, I, I think that's, it's such an intense story. I mean, you had so many things happen right around the same time. And, you know, that's a really big hit on your business, but it's a really big hit on you as well and your mindset. And I know that had to be a really hard thing to walk through. 
Yeah. And a lot of businesses fold when things like that happen. And and after having gone through it, I know why, (laughs) you know, it's easy for a business to fold when you've built the business around yourself, you know, particularly as a service provider. Um, But even as a person who's running a small product-based business, when you are your business, when you're the person who's responsible for almost everything in it, when you make all the decisions and a lot of times are doing all or most of the work in your business, I mean, just think about if something happens and you're not able to put in that work for a week, a month, a few months, what would happen? For most people, I think if they answer that question for themselves, the answer is the business would probably fall apart. Um, and it is a really very real part of it. And, and I mean, I had a a six figure business, so it wasn't like I was just scraping by and even somebody who had a very successful business, you know, you couple a tanking economy, a change in the economy with a lot of personal stuff going on. And it's a real recipe for potential disaster. And so the fact that I'm here 15 years after starting my business and still running a business, it looks different now than it did then, but it's another business that's now almost as successful as the last business I grew. Um, you know, it's possible to survive those things, but it, it, I mean, if you're not thinking about it, it might be time to start thinking about it. And and the hard thing is nobody wants to think about bad times. No one wants to think about the possibility that they might have someone close to them die or that the economy could start to turn for the worse or all of those things and more could happen at once. We don't like to think about the potential bad and I don't like the idea of sitting in it and wallowing in it. But if you're not thinking about it, then you're not preparing. And if something does happen, then you are going to be in real trouble versus if you are ready or at least have some, at least make some amount of um, effort to change things, be prepared, then you are in a much better position. And that's the kind of businesses that will probably survive. And and I wasn't prepared the first time I had um, all of this stuff happen. Later, I went through a miscarriage and, and had, you know, a few months of being depressed. <laughs> and that time, I survived it much better and much with, without as much damage to my business and life because I had been through this before and kind of knew what not to do. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, I don't know the exact statistics, but I know most businesses don't make it past their first year anyway. Mm -hmm. And a lot of businesses don't make it past like four or five years. Um, and I know that's, that's a huge majority of people that start businesses. They're out anyway. So now I imagine on top of that, going through some of the things that you went through, like a death in the family or, you know, all of those really tragic events and having to sustain a business that you were already having trouble sustaining. You had a six figure business and it was hard. So Mm -hmm. imagine if, you know, you're in your first year of business and you're struggling already to learn the ropes and, and gain that income and build your, you know, client list or whatever, then it's even harder. So Um, I I love this idea of, you know, just being prepared and I'm like you don't, don't sit and wallow in it because there's nothing you can do. And I think that's, that's a really important point to make that you kind of touched on is that all of this was completely out of your control. It's not like you were just running, you know, for lack of a better term, a crappy business and, and you were, you were unprepared in that way. You were running a great company You had six figures going for you. I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing to achieve. But these are all things that are out of your control. And like you said, we don't want to think about them, but you've got to have a plan in place for when these things do happen. And, you know, it's one of those like plan for the worst and hope for the best, like, you know, make a plan, hope you never have to use it, 
but have it there. It's like a life insurance policy for your business. Right. And the events were absolutely outside of my control, obviously. I mean, no one would choose to have their brother die or, you know, right. necessarily like have your marriage fall apart, all of those things. The events were outside of my control, but how I prepared or didn't and how I reacted after was within my control. And so that's the pieces that we need to be thinking about, not the like, sitting and worrying about like, oh gosh, what if the worst happens? We don't, you're right. We don't get to decide if or when the worst happens. But what we can do is take control or at least try to um, do the best we can to prepare for the things we can't control, which is obviously how prepared we are and then how we react in those situations. And that's the what I really learned from all of that process because I'm never going to be able to control what happens, <laughs> but I can right. start to control it. And, you know, and that's a lot of the work I do with my mindset uh, coaching. There's a lot of that. It's about like, you don't get to control how people feel or what happens. What you get to control is your piece of it, which is how do you show up then? How do you react? How do you behave? What do you do? That's the part that's within your control. And so a big part of the work I do now also was kind of learned through that process. I love that. I love that you're, you know, all of those things that you those hard things that you had to walk through really influenced what you're doing now. I always love hearing like entrepreneur stories because a lot of the time you can find those little bits and pieces of things that they do now or things that they're passionate about or things that really matter to them that have something to do with, you know, a failure that they had or a hard thing that they had to walk through in the beginning or, you know, some sort of transition like that. So I love that you sort of took all of that, that pain and turned it into something where you can really benefit and help somebody else. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful ultimately for everything that happened, which is a hard place to get to and took a lot of work. And I wouldn't suggest that it's like you just say, oh, somebody I love died. I'm so grateful. It doesn't happen that right. way. But, you know, a decade now out from all of those events that happened, I'm able to look at it with all with a lot of gratitude because my life would look so different if it wasn't for everything that happened. It would probably look a lot like it did before everything that happened, which was real good on paper, but not all that great really for me. And now I'm living a life that feels right, that's fully aligned, that's everything I kind of want it to be and where I wake up each day and feel good about my life. And so I'm grateful for the things that happened because I don't think I'd be here without them. But you know, Ultimately, mm. I'd still prefer to probably have yeah. my brother here, you know, of but course. yeah, I mean, you have to find the good that comes from it. I love that though. I love, you know, you kind of mentioned that fulfillment piece because I think that's so, so ridiculously important, you know, like if, I mean, a lot of times we run these businesses where, and, and we could probably talk about fulfillment all day, so we won't get too much into that. But I mean, we run these businesses where we're really not fully happy and and really fulfilled in the business. And if you I mean, you know, if your business goes through a crisis or if you have to step away because something happened and you already weren't fulfilled in it, then imagine how you're going to feel when you come back to a business that's basically crumbling because you had to step away from it. So I think that that fulfillment piece is so important because if you don't love what you're doing and if it doesn't really make you happy and, and, and just get you really passionate and really fired up, then you know, when a crisis happens, it's, it's only going to get worse. So I think that's an important part of it too. I agree. I mean, that's actually probably one of the things I would share as how to prepare for mm, these moments yeah. is to be doing something that you're passionate about because I wasn't. So then when it came time to start trying to rebuild, it was really hard to get motivated when you're already feeling depressed and having a hard time to like kind of regroup and just get out of bed. When you think about work and it doesn't light you up, if it's not, then, then you're not going to want to get back to it. And that 
doubles the problem. It exacerbates the problem that's already there. It's like I have this crumbling business and I'm not at all motivated to go back and work in it because it doesn't fulfill me. It doesn't light me up. What would have been more useful is in that time to have a business that was like maybe a refuge from the pain. You know, it's something that I would be excited to get to or that could at least keep me um, excited and motivated or lit up during those times when I'm feeling so down, but I didn't have that. So it was like, it was just like, oh gosh, how do I even start to go back to this business now? I don't know what to do here because I don't love it. So I definitely think slowly, as, you know, trying to move yourself towards a business that is actually something that you're passionate about is a real key in making sure that if you do fall into a time of being depressed or losing someone or whatever it is, that it will be something that will actually make you want to get back to work. Yeah. I mean, life's too short to be doing something that you don't love. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, let's dive a little more into that part. I know we, you just kind of touched on one way to really start preparing your business for a crisis. So let's talk about the preparation and then we'll kind of dive into how to actually handle the crisis and, and your reaction to it. But what, what's some of your advice? What are some tips for our listeners who they're running businesses? You know, maybe they're they're in the beginning stages, they're growing, they're building, maybe they're later on and they're comfortable and they've got the, you know, the income that they want and the clients that they want, and they're really happy with it. Either way, what's your advice for how, or, or things that you can do ahead of time to actually prepare your business for if a crisis happens? Well, to me, the biggest thing that I wasn't doing, and I mean, I was a I was what, five, seven years into my business and I was doing quite well. And I really wasn't treating it like a business. It's kind of like what you were saying. You have these dreams of going into business so you can sit in your you know, pajamas. And that's what I sort of thought of it as. I mean, it was like this fun thing. And because the work was coming so easy and, and it was like, oh, I'm just making money without any, without having to try. It was just like, oh, I'll just work in my pajamas and work what I want to. And I didn't, I treated it more like a really profitable hobby than I did like a real business. And so I think, you know, doing those steps that some people never get around to, even with successful businesses of having separate business accounts, <laughs> you know, separating your business from your personal and treating it like an actual business, you know, getting an LLC and doing some of those things to protect yourself um, liability wise and protect your personal assets from your business assets. If you did get to a place where things fall apart and gosh forbid somebody comes to sue you for, you know, for failure to deliver or for messing something up or whatever it is that you are protecting your personal assets. Now, I didn't get to that point, but also things got really confusing, you know, and just even going through a divorce. Um, it's good advice to separate everything so that you are able to tell what is the business assets and what's the personal assets. It's also good from the liability standpoint to be separating those things. So really thinking about your business like a business and treating it that way, being a CEO and getting things separate and clear so that you know where money is coming from. That stuff's also valuable though, if let's say you were to pass away, you know, hopefully not. Who's going to be able to step, figure out where your money is, where it's coming from, what's business, what's not, what is part of the estate, what isn't. All of that stuff gets really muddled if you're not being really clear about what's business and what's personal. So that to me is like the first fundamental kind of thing that seems, I think for some people, once you've done it, or some people who've been in business a while think, well, sure. But I can tell you there are plenty of people, including myself, who were in business a long time and running really successful businesses that hadn't taken those steps. And they're really important to do. Yeah, totally agree. I have, um, I went to a conference, oh gosh, a long time ago where, uh, one of the speakers was talking about, does your business pass the bus test? And everybody was really confused about what they were talking about. And she was like, does your business pass the bus test? So if you walked out into the street 
and got hit by a bus, what's going to happen to your business? What's going to happen to your company? Does it pass the test that it will survive without you? Especially if you have a team or employees, people who are relying on that paycheck, you know, is that company able to run without you? So, you know, that's kind of a drastic way to, <laughs> to dive into looking at it, but it's, it's a really, you know, big eye opener. It's a good point that, you know, you, you, you need to pre prepare for a crisis if you need to step away for a little while and, and things are hard, but you know, it's also worth thinking about that if you, you know, your family relies on income from, from this business, or you've got employees who rely on that paycheck, you know, you've got to think about, well, what if I weren't here? So I think having that plan and, and implementing that all of those things that you said is, is pretty crucial. Yeah. And that's related to it would be having an operations manual, which I also didn't have for a very long time. And now see how important it is having a place, a central place, even if you don't have a team, if you have a team, it's essential. But even if you don't have a team up somewhere where people know how to all the workings of your business, what's your client list? How, what are their, what's their contact information? Because if something happened to you and you needed someone else to step in, even if you're just in the hospital and prolonged or you lose the use of your arms or whatever happens, you need someone to be able to go in and contact your employee, your, um, your clients and say, Hey, she's, she's unable to work right now. You know, this is her partner or her, you know, VA or whoever you would have do that work. But they can't do it if they don't know how to reach those people. And very often we keep so much of this information inside. We're not sharing it. How do they go and get into your accounts for not just for things like your bank, but for like your social media accounts that is charging you every month for however much to manage, you know, for your whatever tools that you're using that you're getting charged every month, if those needed to be placed on hold or canceled, so you're not continuing to get hit with those fees, who's going to do that? Where are they going to find the information to do it? But even smaller, like not as scary is just like, if you do have a VA or some other team and you're not able to do your parts of your job, they need to be outlined there for someone somewhere. How does payroll get handled or whatever other pieces of your job that you're doing that need to go on while you're, even if it's just depressed and need to take two months off, you know, or by the way, what if you're going to maybe it's something joyful, you're having a baby, you know, that's a great thing. And you're excited, but setting yourself up for maternity leave. What are the steps that are going to happen in your absence? That stuff needs to be outlined somewhere, not just in your head. And doing it long before you need it is really smart. So it's there in case you need it when you're not prepared to need it. You know, a lot of times we do this in advance of maybe having a baby for maternity leave. But what if something else came up and we needed that stuff and we weren't ready? So having that kind of thing, having an operations manual, and there's lots of great resources online for how to create an operations manual. Finding something and making sure someone knows where it lives is really important too. I totally agree. And I, I'm glad you said that, that, you know, we plan for the happier moments. You know, if we're going to take a month off because we're going to go like travel Europe or if you're having a baby or, you know, any of those things, we, we really plan around those joyful moments, but let's face it, life throws us pretty much as many curveballs as it throws us, you know, good things. So uh, planning for those those really kind of awful moments too is so important. And, and I think that's the part that, like we said in the beginning, not a lot of people really think about, especially going into business because, you know, it kind of looks like butterflies and rainbows from the outside. You're like, Oh, Netflix is my best friend. I live in my sweatpants. Everything's great. Uh, and I know you said that that was kind of how you were. You weren't really treating mm -hmm. it like a business. You were like, I'm going to work whenever I want. And 
not that that's a bad thing. If you're a business owner, by all means, like if you want to pick up on a Wednesday and go to lunch because you can, then do it. But you've got to have a plan and you've got to be prepared for the days when that's not possible and for the days when you have to step away. Yeah. And another thing that's kind of related to that of like just working whenever and letting things just happen. Part of my problem with that was that I was sort of just taking the work that came, right? Because it was the easy stuff and I wasn't Mm. treating my business really like a business and thinking about it long term. And so I put a lot of eggs in like one client basket. It was a really big client basket that was a really profitable client basket. However, when the economy shifted in 2008, for anyone who's old enough to remember, I was working then, I had my business then, that's when things started. It was like 2009 is by the time that 2008 economic recession really hit the industry I was working in. And that just happened to be like right as everything else was starting to happen. So this business that had been growing like crazy suddenly was just coming to a grind grinding halt because I had put so many eggs in one basket and it was easy to do. It seemed like, why wouldn't I? The money's just coming in. But I now really realize the importance of having multiple streams of income, looking at ways to have passive income so that if something happens in one market sector or with one type of business, one type of part of my business, I have the others to help offset that or to give me some amount of stability. You know, And with passive income, it's like, okay, that's money that even if I'm not able to work in my business for a stretch, hopefully it's still continuing to come in. So thinking about business in that way, like when people used to talk about that kind of stuff to me, you know, back in the beginning of my business, I was like, why, why do I need to worry about that? I have so much business right now that I can't see straight. Now I understand the importance of making sure that your business is diversified, just like your stock portfolio. And they talk to you about doing with that. It's like, do the same thing with your business so that you aren't going to be so heavily impacted. If one client folds, one client, one market sector decides, you know, takes a hit or, you know, one stream of income isn't working for you, having multiple streams of income, whether that's like, you know, we're, is a service professional working with different market sectors, or, you know, maybe as a coach, having both a course and doing one-on-one work and a membership or whatever that looks like, but finding ways within what you do to not have everything in one, all your eggs in that one basket, I think is the other big important thing I would suggest. Absolutely. And that's such a good piece of advice. I was actually about to say, you know, diversify is, is really the word that you want to be thinking of. And my dad was a huge finance guy. So I, you know, hear all of those like investment terms all the time. But if you think about it, I mean, you know, like we were saying about how we plan for those good times, you know, we walk into, you know, these offices and we say, okay, I've got X amount of dollars that I want to invest. What do I do with it? And the the person's going to tell you, okay, we need to, you know, diversify this money. Like let's put some in stocks and some in this and, 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 you know, really break it up so that you're making money in several different places. And so why don't we do that with our business? Why don't, you know, and I, I'm guilty of that. I think we're all guilty of that, you know, relying on that one client, um, or those, those couple of clients, but that's not healthy for your business. And it's not healthy for you because inevitably if something happens, then now all of a sudden it's not just your business that you're worrying about. It's, you know, your family, cause you were relying on that income. It's your employees cause they're relying on it. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's really bad for your mindset and your mental well-being as a whole to have to go through something like that. So just simply mm-hmm like you said, diversifying and preparing and finding those different streams of especially passive income. I'm huge on passive income because I'm like, I want to make money 
while I sleep. That was always the goal. And even if it's not a lot of money, if you can just be bringing in money when you're off the clock, when you're not in the office on the days where you do go out to lunch with some friends or you have a crisis or, you know, whatever, I, I think that's a really big part of really scaling and learning how to run a really successful business is learning how to bring in those different avenues of revenue. Yeah. My goal right now, and you know, I'm not in a place where I'm in depression or have, you know, struggling or have any bad things that are going on or whatever. My business is growing, but my goal right now is to get my passive income to the place where it covers at least my portion of our family's required monthly you know, expenditures, you know, I'm, I'm not looking necessarily, I mean, it'd be great if passive income income grew to like leaps and bounds, but I've been slowly <laughs> growing it to the point now where it's like, okay, if the, like, if my husband were to lose his job tomorrow, or if none of my clients decided to resign, whatever happens, I would know that I still have this line item in my budget. Now, granted, it still takes some amount of work, right? It's not like passive is truly like fault. You can just sleep forever and it goes on. But you know, that would at least sustain those bills for the next few months, you know, and I'm, I'm getting to that point now where it's like, okay, and that gives you some breathing room and allows me to feel less stressed about that. Cause I think a lot of us in the back of our head, there's always that little voice going, oh my gosh, but what if those clients didn't resign next month? Or what if everything falls apart? You know, that's oh, like, what if my husband loses his job? Whatever it is, a lot of us have that nagging thing in the back of our head. That's constantly creating this stress in our businesses and our bodies. And just being able to build the passive income to the place that it at least alleviates for whatever your runway looks like, but some amount of time alleviates that worry. That's really freeing and a nice place to be. So it's not like you have to necessarily look at passive income, like, oh gosh, how am I going to make, you know, multiple six figures of passive income? Just how can you build up at least enough to, to give yourself some padding and some cushion to not have to have that worry in the back of your head all the time? Definitely. Definitely. So, so, so true. hundred percent. So let's dive into that. What if a little bit, mm -hmm. the, the crisis happens. Now what? So what's your advice for, for actually handling it? And then what's your advice for handling your business during yeah. a crisis? Well, I have a few things. And the first, which kind of relates to preparing because you'll need to prepare this to have it when it happens, but that's having a support system. And so both personal and professional, but having people that know you, know your business, care about you, that you can turn to for emotional support, but also then maybe to lean on and say, can you help with this piece of my business while I have to step away a bit? So for me, that's always been masterminds, having a mastermind group that knows me and my business well enough that I feel like if something were horrible were to happen tomorrow, I could reach out to any one of those women and say, hey, could you do X, Y, and Z? Could you just take over this thing? Could you reach out to this person and let them know what's going on? And I know I have those people and that they're business owners and get it. I mean, I think a lot of us lean on our friends and our partners and our parents or whoever that those other people are in our support system. And those are hugely important when bad things happen. But from the business side of it, having people who understand business and know what that means and maybe run similar businesses, or if you're an online business, get what online business looks like, but people who understand it in a way that our friends and family may not always get it that can help you too. So I think building up that support system is really important. And then when things happen to use the support system, so many times we 
we have biz besties. We've got our connections. We have our friends. We have whoever. And then we never ask for help. We're so afraid to be vulnerable or to get real or to say, hey, I'm hurting here or things, you know, I'm not able to do what I thought I could. Like we're so afraid of failure, of looking bad that we don't ask for help. So I think the biggest thing is asking for help. And I say this, by the way, as somebody who didn't ask for help that first time when everything was going on, I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't being honest about how I was feeling or what was happening. I was trying to soldier through and do it all like we so often do. And because of that, I actually made things worse. That ended up burning bridges. That ended up costing me money. If I had just had the strength to ask for help, I think I could have saved my business sooner than I did. Mm, that's a really good point. I, I think that especially applies even outside of your business. Because mm -hmm. you said both personal and professional, but you know, so often I think we're constantly thinking like, oh, I, you know, wish I had friends that I knew would really be there for me when something happens. And then we go out and we make those friends and, you know, you get asked like, oh, do you have a person like that? You know, you could turn to, do you have a best friend like that? Do you have whoever? And usually we can all think of somebody in our head that we're like, oh yeah, that person would 100% be there for me. But then, like you said, when we need them the most, we usually don't use them. And I, I think it's, you know, there's a, a lot of mindset work around that. And I know that's pretty much exactly what you do. So I'm sure you've heard all the excuses in the world, but I feel like a lot of times we just feel so guilty for a question that we haven't even asked yet and for asking for help and saying like, Oh, can you, can you help me out with this? Or can you let this person know what's going on? Or can you do whatever? And you know, most of the time, if you have somebody like that in your life who would be willing to do it, odds are you would probably do it for them too. So I think just stepping back and saying, I shouldn't feel guilty for asking for help. It's not like I do it all the time. This is a crisis. I need somebody is, is a really big part of, of that mindset work of sort of building that network and that support system that you were talking about. Yeah. And not being afraid to ask your clients too, or to be honest with your clients, not that you have to always ask them for help in the way of like, can you do this for me? But letting them know, like, this is what's going on. And, and I think people appreciate that versus us trying to hide it. I hear a lot of times from women too, who are expecting and not sure when they should tell clients about that. And I have found the more honest I am with my clients now, granted, I work with a lot of women, but I also work with a lot of men and men. I think sometimes as women, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt that they will be understanding and empathetic. And I have found it to be the more honest I am with my clients of all types about what's going on and just, Hey, could I get a little more time on this? Or could we postpone by X amount of time, whatever it looks like with you, with your clients, but to say, or, Hey, I'm going to have to not show up the way I said I would for the next month. I've been shocked at how giving clients are, how forgiving and willing to say it's okay. Like that we expect so much of ourselves that our clients aren't always expecting. We're, they're not holding us to the same standards we hold to our, ourselves to. So getting honest, even as scary as that can be, and I know how it is, it feels sometimes just so vulnerable to say to a client, I need more time or I, you know, I'm going through this pain, but people really respect that. I, you know, we look at vulnerability for ourselves as a weakness, but when we see it in others, we see it as a strength. And so other people will see that as a strength and they will more often than not, I have found will say it's okay. I, and truly mean it, not be like, oh, it's okay. Oh, I can't believe she's doing that. But to just truly mean like, it's okay. Take the time. My world isn't going to end over here just because you're going to be a little late in delivering what you said you would. 
Totally agree. And I'm like you, I think most of the time, and in my experience too, the majority of the time, people are a whole lot more understanding than you think that they're going to be. So it's because we're not understanding with ourselves. We don't do that for ourselves. We expect other people to be that way, but the truth is other people, yeah, they're not, they're not looking at things the way we're looking at it for ourselves. They're not beating us up the way we beat ourselves up. Exactly. And I think that's always true of everything. So mm-hmm. I, I love that about building a support system and, and just letting your clients know and all of those things. Cause I think all of that is probably one of the hardest steps when you're dealing with something hard, but it should be the easiest thing that we do because mm-hmm. most of the time people are going to step up and be there for you. People are going to be understanding. So just getting over that hurdle in your own mind of what they're going to think or what they're going to say or how they're going to feel about you asking them for help is a really big part of it. Yeah. And then related to that is actually take the time then when you ask for the space, when you ask people for that help, accept it and take some time to feel your feelings. I always say to my clients, feelings only have one job and that is to be felt. And when we are in a place of grief or whatever it is that's going on, whatever the hard time is that's come up for us, trying to just push through or avoid it. And like, you know, I'll just work, 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 or I'll just set it to the side for now. That doesn't work. And it only compounds things eventually because those feelings that you're trying to set aside, they have one job and they're going to get that job done at some done at some point. And the more you push it off, the more they're building up steam and it's going to get worse. So take the time. And sometimes that means automating tasks, delegating tasks to your team, hiring a VA if you've never done it before, you know, looking where else can I delegate things? What else can I automate or streamline? And then sometimes it also means what can I just push pause on right now? What can I let go of? We tend to get really caught up in thinking everything that we are doing in our business is so critical, but there's usually a lot of things that really aren't that critical that we could push pause on. Maybe you just let Instagram go for a while. Maybe you, you know, if you have a podcast, maybe you take a hiatus for a few months, you know, whatever the thing is, what are the pieces of your business that you could maybe let go of, that you can pause for a while and just trust and have faith that it's going to be okay. And that when you return to them, not that much will have been lost. And I can tell you people who talk to me about going on social media sabbaticals, they always come back from them shocked at like how little changed (laughs) and how much it really didn't ultimately matter that they went offline for a week or a month or whatever that looks like. So there are probably things that you can let go of that you can scale back on during that time to allow yourself to take the time to feel. And and I think too often we don't give ourselves permission to do that. And then we end up burning ourselves out because during those times of real strong emotion, when something big is going on, whatever it looks like for you, you're everything that when you're trying to just push through it, you're actually going to get to burn out way sooner than you would if you were doing it in a good state. I don't think it's ever a good idea to be trying to do too much, but when you're trying to do too much and you're emotionally not there, when your brain is somewhere else, you, that is a recipe for burnout. Definitely. And, and then you're just in a vicious, you know, circle because when you get burnt out, all of a sudden now you're exhausted, you're not passionate about what you're doing. And we're back to the very beginning of this conversation where now you've got to kind of relight that fire to find what you're passionate about and come back to a business that is really hard to come back to because now you don't love what you're doing. You're not invested in it. You don't want to be there. And so you're just in this whole loop. So, you know, finding those, those ways to step out of it and say, okay, I'm not going to continue in this, this crazy, you know, circle that I'm in and and going back and forth all the time. I'm just going to step out of this and give myself a little time and a little bit of grace. I think that's, that's really important. So those and are I think- great. 
Points. Yeah. And I think that's where having that passive income. And also, I guess I didn't say this, but I should have that part of treating your business like a business and having separate business accounts includes savings, right? Yes. Putting money towards profit and savings. And so that you hopefully have some of that there, that cushion for when these things come up so you can take the time. But the last thing I wanted to say was just related to that taking time and feeling your feelings and all of that. I also want to just remove some of the stigma around getting a bridge job. The idea of going out and getting a job for a certain amount of time, not looking at it like you're giving up on your business or it's a forever career. But if that's what you need to give yourself the space to heal, to go through it, just to go get whatever it looks like, a mindless job or even a job that isn't mindless, that's a really good job, but that gives you some benefits, that gives you some stability and a paycheck that hopefully maybe also still allows you to work on your, your business as a side hustle. If you need that for a certain amount of time, do it without shame. There's so much shame in the, in the business space, especially this online business space of like going to get a nine to five. And that's like the worst possible thing that could happen. And I think getting a bridge job can be something that can be really useful and can help keep you from losing your entire livelihood, losing your entire life during a process of like healing and give you that space to heal. And so if that's what you need to do, do it. I did that after my miscarriage, I went and got a job for three months because I was just in a place where I was like, I, I'm so I have so much anxiety and I'm dealing with so much that just trying to work in my business is overwhelming me and going and having a space. It was just three months, but where I was showing up every day, it kind of kept me in that work, work mindset that a more structured job sometimes can versus working for yourself. It kept a, you know, a paycheck coming in where I was feeling like, okay, I'm contributing and I can do this kind of mindlessly. I needed that. And it was what saved me after that versus trying to just scrap and struggle and hustle and all of those things that when you're in that space, you can't always do. And so I just, that's the last thing I want to point out is that if that's where you're at and that's what you need, do it, do what you need to do to protect yourself. Um, and if that means a bridge job, so be it. It's okay. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really good point too, because I think you're right. I think there is a huge stigma in entrepreneurship of going to get another nine to five or, or going to get some other job. And people feel like you're quitting on your business. But I think you've got to look at that. Like you said, like it's a lifeline of, you know, trying to save your business. Because if you keep going down the road that you're going, where you're burnout, you're stressed, you're exhausted, you're, you know, trying to hustle just to get whatever income you can because you're really struggling, then your business is going to go down. I mean, it's, there are businesses that make it through that for sure, but it's really, really hard. And most of the time, you know, those entrepreneurs are coming out on the other side going, Oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. I wish I had been better prepared or gotten another job or done whatever. And I think you're right. There shouldn't be any shame in saying, Hey, I need this lifeline. You know, it's, it's just like reaching out to a friend and, and having that support system and saying, Hey, I need a little bit of help. This is your little bit of help. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with going and getting another job. And you know, like you said, even if it's only for a little while for you, it was three months. Yeah. Um, right. It, it doesn't have to be forever. And I think that's the part that happens. We, we think like, Oh, if I do this, then I've now given up forever and it doesn't have to be. So don't, right. pitch, don't look at it that way. And the world works so differently now around careers. Most people don't go get a job and then they're in that job for the next 20 years of their life. That's just not right. how it works. And employers don't expect that. So just don't look at it that way. It's okay. Just think of it as a temporary solution. And it can be exactly that if it, and if it becomes something that you love and it becomes the new thing, that's okay too, but just great. be open. Yeah. to what you need. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And I think too, just kind of one quick last point on something you mentioned, I think it can really help you. You know, you said it helped you with like staying in that work mindset during that time. And I, I think 
that, that could be really beneficial to your business too, that now you're kind of getting, you know, maybe new ideas on how to do things or new skills that you didn't have before, or kind of, um, building up skills that you maybe weren't super good at. And, you never know who you're networking with and building connections with. And so all of those things could come back to really help your business, even when you step away from that job. Yeah, I, I love so, that because that's just a reframe. That's just reframing what going to get that nine to five is. It's not failure. Absolutely. It's learning. It's not failure. It's networking. I mean, there are so many ways that you can view it that can help you say, this is just what I need and it's okay. And so, yeah, I just think that they can be really valuable and it doesn't have to be a forever solution, but it can be a really good temporary solution when you're in those moments, especially if maybe you haven't prepared your business for these times as well. And Hey, we can't change where you're at right now, right? Like if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. And that's okay. Instead of beating yourself up over it, say, okay, what can I do? Well, maybe I can go get this job to help keep things stable, just to stabilize income. And in the meantime, start taking these other steps that we've talked about on how you can start to then rebuild the business in a way that might be better prepared for the next time something bad happens. Because unfortunately, it probably will. That's just life. Bad things happen, right? And we, we can't control them. But like we said at the beginning, you can control all these things that help you prepare for it. So true. Oh, I love this conversation. It's so good. And so many little you know, nuggets of insight in here that I feel like just not a lot of people are talking about. Not a lot of people want to sit down and talk about what to do when your business is in a crisis. So I was really excited that, you know, we were going to have this conversation and I think it's going to be really beneficial to a lot of listeners who maybe aren't as prepared as they should be. And now, you know, you've got that rolling in their mind a little bit and they're going to start playing with those ideas of, of how to really be prepared. So I'm, I'm super that. excited about this conversation. I love it. Me too. Love I'm it. excited too for anyone that's listening. Like, cause I know when you see something about crisis, most people are like, Oh, I don't want to watch. I don't want to listen to that. I don't <laughs> want to be a part of it. So if you did more power to you, congrats. I'm proud of you because that means that you are thinking like a CEO. And so now just put these things into action and it's going to make a huge difference and you can feel more rest. You know, you can rest assured that if something does go wrong, you're going to be in a much better position than the people who decided not to listen because they heard crisis. <laughs> Love it. Yes. So true. All right. Well, since it's the end of the episode, I always do a quick little lightning round and we'll just breeze through these really quickly. Sure. Just a couple of fun questions to close out the show. So first and foremost, what does your morning routine look like? Well, I used to not have one because I have a toddler, but I have just <laughs> re recently really started putting one into um, action. And so I meditate for 10 minutes, then I do gratitude work. And then I ask myself, four questions, although one of them is related to gratitude. So one is how can I show gratitude today? So not just making a list in my head of things I'm grateful for, but how can I actually show someone or something gratitude? Um, what can I do to show myself some love today? What's one thing I can do to move incrementally closer to my goals today? And what's way, one way I can live into my values today? So those are the four questions I ask myself after I meditate and kind of do my gratitude list. And it's amazing. It's, it doesn't take much time to do that process. I used to be so resistant to morning routines because I'm like, I don't have time for that. It really only takes me 15 minutes, which is not that long. I do it as soon as I sit down at my desk. And it's amazing how much it has been shifting the way I feel about my work days. I love that. Oh, that's such a good routine. I love that so much. Thanks. Love it. What is the last book that you read? Um, I can tell you because I've been tracking my books for this year. And there the last go. book I read that was 
nonfiction was How to Be Here by Rob Bell. I'm really focusing on mindfulness in 2020. And then I also read Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn, which is a fiction. Very so those are the cool. two books I've read this month. Gosh, you're already way ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and let's be honest, I listened to both of them, just ah, to be clear. Yeah. I do go. not have time to say, I, I have a three-year-old, so trying to read a book does not work because he grabs it out of my hands. I love it. You're like my husband. He's an audiobook person, yeah. and I'm like, no, I have to hold it in my hand. And read I used to be that way until I had a kid. I finally had to get over the resistance because I was like, I'm doing this, and yeah. I'm not reading books, and I want to consume more information, so right. I, I'm listening. <laughs> yep. Kids will change you. Yep, for sure. All right. What is one thing that you recommend to everybody? So this could be like a service that you use in your business. It could be a product you love using in your kitchen, like whatever you want, but something that you just love and recommend that everybody has to have. Well, the first thing that comes to my head is the one book I recommend to everyone. And we were just talking about books, but it's The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's to me like the foundational kind of work for doing mindset work. And I love it. And everyone I know who reads it loves it. So that's the thing I usually recommend to everyone. Yes. I love that book. It's so good. Yes. It's so, so good. That's a great one. Great recommendation. All right. Last question. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? My favorite is from a friend who, and it's also mindset related, who said to me one time when I was sort of in a state of dread, and this was about a decade ago as I was going through um, all of these things and kind of coming out the other side of the divorce and everything. And I was really focused on like, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? And she said, why do you keep asking yourself what's the worst that could happen? Why don't you ask yourself what's the best that could happen? And it really was just such a simple shift that now I do it every time I start to get into that place when people will say, what's the best, worst that could happen? I'll say, hey, what's the best that could happen? And it really does help open people's eyes to like possibility instead of limitation. And I really love that. I love that. Sometimes those, those smallest, simplest shifts are are the ones that make the biggest impact. So I love that so much. That's so good. So yeah. good. All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. What's your website, your social, what are you promoting right now? Where do you want them to follow along? Well, you can follow me at beckymollencamp.com or at beckymollencamp on Instagram. Um, I'm sure the spelling will be here on there because I know people get confused on how to spell my name. And um, just follow along. I, I don't know right now, I'm not promoting anything in particular. I just finished promoting the last like email challenge I was doing. So we'll see what's next. Awesome. Yes. So everybody go check out Becky and follow along for when she's got some cool new things coming and check out working with her. If you're interested in that mindset work and, and really getting into that and starting to dive into that side of your business. Cause as you can tell, she's amazing and has so many great insights and, and so many helpful tips. And Becky, thank you so much for being here. Cause I mean, honestly, I feel like this was such a good conversation. Cause like I said, it's, it's going to help a lot of our listeners who, you know, maybe they've touched on the idea of thinking of what to do in a crisis, but really haven't implemented that plan. And a lot of people, like you said, just avoid the word crisis altogether. So, um, I, I just think it's, it's such a powerful conversation to have that not a lot of people are willing to sit down and have. So I'm just really grateful that you shared your time and, and all of those tips and, you know, just tried to make running a business a little easier for our listeners and, and make the world a little bit better. 
well, I'm glad that you were willing to go and do this topic because some people aren't. And I, for me, it's all about shifting from that life is happening to me to like, what can I do now? And I just think it's that reactive versus proactive. So as, as icky as some of the topics, like the ideas might be, just think of it from that place of like, how can I be proactive here? And then it feels far more empowering instead of like depressing, I think. <laughs> and so thank you very much for going there and covering this topic and having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, ladies, that's it for this time. But don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire. <laughs>